Welcome to the Bull Street Podcast. I'm Tim Kurtz. This podcast was designed to equip you to know Christ and tell of His amazing grace between Sundays. For more information about our church, please visit bullstreet.org. Today's episode is actually the second in a series that's laying the groundwork for what our women's ministry is going to be doing this fall. So if this is the first time you're hearing about this, just pause right there and scroll on down to part one. Today, we're going to hear from one of my favorite people, my lovely bride, Catherine Kurtz, as she outlines some practical tips for setting up your mentor relationship for success. Tonight, I'm going to walk through six potholes on the road of discipleship. Um, These are things that you may have thought or you may still think or even just subconsciously be keeping you at arm's length from discipling. And then we're going to look at some practical aspects of discipling, like who do I pick? How do I actually disciple? And some aspects that kind of help us think clearly about this command in Scripture. So I want to start with some definitions to aid our time together. Um, And this is from Mark Dever's book um, called Discipling. It's very little. It kind of feels like he just sat down and wrote all the thoughts in his head about discipling, and then they published it. It's very succinct um, and helpful if you want some further study in this area. He says that discipleship is doing intentional spiritual good to others in order to present people mature in Christ on the last day. And, And really, the scripture that he's talking from in that definition is Colossians 1, 28 through 29, which says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he works, powerfully works within me. So here we go. Pothole number one. (laughs) Um, Discipleship has never worked for me before. No one's ever asked to meet with me or I've just kind of felt like this really wasn't for me. So I felt this way. Um, Growing up, I had various different mentors um, in my home church. Some of those relationships ended disappointingly. None of those women, I would say, are spiritual mothers to me. But as I've studied, I've actually grown more and more encouraged in discipleship. So if we look back at our definition, doing intentional spiritual good to others in order to present people mature in Christ on the last day— we really see kind of like a broad view of what discipleship can be. And I think sometimes discouragement can come if we prescribe ourselves something from Scripture that isn't actually there. Um, What we're talking about and looking forward to in the fall, intentional friendships and mentorship, those are absolutely a part of discipleship, but it's one part of a whole picture. If we think about the umbrella of discipleship, Intentional one-on-one relationships are a part of it, but I, I think they fall under a larger umbrella. There isn't just one right way that discipleship is supposed to look. If we can start to think about the church as the primary discipler, we can suddenly see all the ways that we are already participating in discipleship. Sunday morning, sitting under the preached word. Um, Wednesday nights, when we're encouraging one another to think critically about issues in the culture. Playdates lunches, having people in our homes, all of these are opportunities that we practice discipleship in the regular life of the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how to stir one another 
to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So if we can think um, and look, as you study in the New Testament, if you look for the one another's, so stir up one another, not neglecting to meet together, we could say to meet with one another, uh, encouraging one another, all the ways that we see that phrase one another are really good clues about how the church is supposed to be functioning and how we are to practice that church as the discipler concept. And so just in your reading, you know, this week even look for that phrase, one another, and that gives you a really good idea about how the church at large functions as the primary discipler for the people. All right, number two, I met with someone, but it only lasted a month, or we only met once. Did that really count? So we see in scripture that the Lord brings us into different seasons in different times of our lives. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Uh, talking about scheduling may seem unspiritual, but I believe that this is a very practical consideration that will either help us obey scripture in this area or not. So we're going to read these verses more fully in a bit, but Paul encourages believers to make the best use of time and to do good as we have opportunity. So we just have to be realistic with, with what works in the rhythms of our lives. I'm meeting with somebody over the summer, but that's going to end when school starts again and college ministry is back in the swing of things. I don't really have the bandwidth at that time, but I do now. So that has worked out for me. We're encouraged to not grow weary in doing good. Let's hang on to that. Our Lord does not want us to grow weary in doing good. Look for creative ways to disciple in your life today. Not some ideal spiritual life that you dream of, some ideal schedule, some ideal something. Look for ways to be obedient today. This might look like bringing someone along as you run errands, go sit at the beach together, meal prep for the week together, get lunch if your work schedules and locations line up, plan to go to a conference just so you can drive there together. If the Lord gives you an opportunity to have an intentional friendship with someone for a season, be specific and clear about when that will end because that will serve you as much as initiating that relationship. Scripture says, don't grow weary. So ask the Lord to give you wisdom to obey without growing weary. Number three, Discipling someone else feels weird. I don't know enough scripture. I haven't been a believer for very long, or I have lots of questions myself. Um, I would say for this one too, it could be also that just being in the role of discipler feels weird, even if you've been a believer for a long time. Um, there could be a really natural fear or worry about having to share personal things or sins and, and open up to somebody in a way that you're really not comfortable doing. Let's see, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So I think that just really knowing that the Lord is at work in us counters fear and or pride. And I think either one of those could be at play. If God has saved you, then he is sanctifying you. Let him sanctify you through discipleship. Timothy and I just celebrated our 10th anniversary, and we started reading this marriage book together, which has been really helpful. It's called Marriage by Paul David Tripp. And um, something that he talks about in there that's been helpful for us is that when you, you know, intentionally or unintentionally 
sin in front of someone else, that is an opportunity for them to minister to you. So when you get to see your spouse's sin, you have an opportunity for ministry in their life. And I had never really thought of it that way before. But I would say the same is true of discipleship. If you're in relationship with somebody and you're allowing them to see your sin in ways that you need to grow, you're also allowing them to minister in your life in a deeper way. When you don't know the answer to a question or when you have the same question but you want to learn together, that could be a huge encouragement to someone with doubts or who feels like they don't belong because everybody else has got their theology all together. So if this is your worry, um, then I would say that this fall is for you. Um, going through the book uh, Growing Together with Another Woman will be such a learning and growing opportunity for you. Um, I would say lean into any discomfort that you feel and humbly ask the Lord to help you and then just try. Um, his strength is made perfect in our weakness, so go for it. Number four, being discipled feels weird. Do I just sit there and listen to them drop pearls of wisdom upon me? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, I would say that if both people are believers, and we'll get to this in a second, I think in this type of intentional relationship they should be, then they should both be working to do the other person's spiritual good. My ability as a discipler to present you, mature in Christ, depends on you doing the same thing for me. A mature believer will be easily encouraged, and you could be a real means of grace in their life. Do you like to sit and talk about the things of the Lord? Then discipleship is for you. Um, think about some of the most refreshing things in your life, like waking up early, sitting on the back porch with a cup of coffee, being at the beach, sitting in silence. Whatever is the most refreshing thing to you, that can be what it's like to be discipled. Similarly, when you think about the times when your heart is so glad in the Lord, like when you have a deep conversation with somebody and you just leave feeling like so encouraged in your faith, or if you're sitting there on a Sunday morning and the preacher is bringing it and you're just praising the Lord for the word, think about when your heart is so glad in the Lord. That is what it's like to be discipled. I get the privilege to teach you all tonight, but I would honestly love to be discipled. I think that this sounds really refreshing. Um, especially if you're often on the kind of giving end of things. Um, it can be really wonderful to have someone um, intentionally disciple you. Also, I would say to my older sisters in the room, um, if you are craving that as well, I would let the women's ministry know. Um, there's nothing in scripture that says that you've arrived because of your age, that the Lord is done with you. There's nothing like that. So if you want a relationship where you are with someone, and it's not necessarily like solid oak next to young sapling, but more like two oaks together, let women's ministry know, because I think that there's space for that as well. Um, all right, number five, I don't have much time right now, or I feel like I shouldn't commit because I might let that person down. Not to be true, too dramatic, but discipling is the only way to leave a gospel legacy beyond your lifetime. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. So here we kind of get, to, this is Paul actually talking at the end of his life. So here we get kind of like a peek into some of Paul's thoughts, um, you know, regarding his life's work. So he's saying that he longs for his work to continue 
much beyond his lifetime. He wants to have passed the word to these faithful men and women who will then be able to turn and do the same. And I would say that we still reap the benefits of that today, even as we sit here, that the Lord is faithful beyond your lifetime, but this is a way that you can be a part of that um, through discipling. Galatians 6.10 says, um, so then, oh, I referenced these earlier. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And Ephesians 5.15-16 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. So we have those things as we have opportunity and making the best use of time. And so even in seasons when time is at a minimum, and I feel that, <laughs> um, if there's young children, if there's teenage children that have a million activities, um, if there's you know greater commitments in your life all of a sudden because you've reached retirement, whatever it is, time can be really thin for us. We have to look creatively and see that as we have opportunity, we need to go forth and obey. But obviously there's nuance there. We have all these commands that say work, toil, struggle, do good, all these things. And then we have these do not grow weary commands. And I would just say in this area, what's needed is just prayer and seeking the Lord for wisdom about how he would lead you to disciple or be discipled. And then listen to the Holy Spirit in regards to that. All right, last pothole, number six. I didn't click with the person that I met with. I thought the relationship would feel different. Um, this is a hard one. I've experienced this, and I'm sure there's a lot of you that have too. Um, some people have spiritual mothers who have mentored them for years and years, and that may not be your experience. Um, I have two encouragements for us in this area. Um, one, the person that you didn't click with may be who you needed for that season anyway. We know that the Lord is kind um, and provides for us, and so we may just need to humbly accept that that person is part of the Lord's spiritual provision for us um, in that time. Two, a true friendship isn't focused on the friendship itself, but on a common thread. That's a phrase that C.S. Lewis said. You don't get together with your best friend and just talk about how great a best friends you are. You have all of these common threads that bring you together. That's why you're best friends. If you just have ever experienced meeting with someone and it kind of like fizzles, it may be that more work is needed to be done to find those common threads between you. So one really practical way to do this is just to include others in your daily life. If you're sitting together over coffee, you're only going to get to know that person as well as either of you is willing to offer up, um, which may not be much or it may be a whole lot depending on the person. But if you invite someone into your home, you're also inviting them to get to know the things that you value, your habits, the other people in your home, the things you enjoy, and then suddenly you've got a friendship. And I think that that, if we, have, if we already have that rapport, then introducing a discipleship relationship can really just kind of spring that spiritual friendship forward in a way. So... Those are all the potholes on the road that I could think of. I'm sure there's more. Um, just because we avoid all of these things and we're thinking rightly about discipleship doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy. This is where I just want to encourage us to have fidelity to the Word of God and not to an outcome. Paul is not unclear in the epistles that his work is toil 
labor, running a race, sweating, beating his body, <laughs> struggle. Like if you look for that over and over, you'll be like, all right, the Christian life. <laughs> um, he says in Philippians, this is Philippians 2, 16 and 17, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain. This is Paul talking. So that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. So we don't really talk like that. If I'm going to be poured out upon your faith, I will rejoice. You know, that's that's Paul. <laughs> um, but we can, we can see what he's saying and recognize the truth in it, that discipling is absolutely part of laboring in the faith. If you have children of any age, you know that this is true, um, that we disciple, we preach the gospel to them in season and out of season. We see up close all of the sin, and it's a real labor. It is a long obedience that we're called to, and discipleship is very much the same way. We need to get comfortable in the waiting, the watching, and the praying in the same way that we do for our children. There will be times when those that we are discipling will be waiting and watching and praying for the Lord to be at work. There are really hard parts to all of this. There's hard parts to being in ministry, um, but be assured there's also gladness and rejoicing. All right, so let's talk a few practical applications here. First of all, how do we choose who to disciple? So what we're talking about tonight and also looking forward to the fall is, I would say, for believers. Um, we can, can't really help someone to be mature in Christ if they're not in Christ. Something that could be really helpful as you start out is to share how you came to faith um, if it starts to become more clear that the other person isn't actually a believer, you need to start there. So when we look at the Great Commission, there's the go therefore and make disciples. I don't have it pulled up. Teaching and baptizing. Isn't that the two parts of it? Anyway, so we need to be, we need to figure out which side we're in. Are we in the sharing the gospel, baptizing, like that side of things, or are we in the like teaching and training side of things? So it can kind of be helpful to think about that. I think that when we're looking at the fall, it's really believers helping believers is the context here. We also see in scripture that there's certain people in your life that you're more responsible for. So if you have children or a spouse, it's them. If there's other people who live in your household, it includes them. And then if you are a teacher of some kind in the church, it's those who you teach. Beyond that, um, both wisdom and common sense would guide us to choose someone who is teachable, whose schedule or weekly rhythms might line up with our own, and who is a fellow church member. <clears throat> and I'll talk about that church member thing, too. The best context for discipleship is the safe pasture of the local body. So we have promised to take responsibility for one another and to help prepare one another for glory. That's part of the covenant and the promise that we made to one another one another as the body of Christ here at Bull Street. Um, Mark Dever says, when the church scatters, the ministry of teaching and oversight should continue in the lives of members. The local church provides the background accountability for the discipling happening among members. So we all sit under the same preaching every week. We are all under the shepherding of the same elders. And so it's the church's responsibility for itself that aids the work of discipling. So it just makes sense um, when we're looking that we have limited time and ability to choose someone 
within the body so that we're able to live up to that promise that we've made to each other. That does not mean that it cannot happen outside of the local church body, but just that I would encourage you in that direction. All right, so how do we disciple? Uh, Mark Dever's book helps us to think about five aspects of discipling. And some of these things uh, I'll say, you know, this fall we are so helpfully being given material to go through, and that is really wonderful. I would just really encourage you to do it, even if you're on the fence, just do it. You know, it makes, sometimes the muscles are weak and something like this will make the muscles stronger. So if you're on the fence, do it. But some of these steps are kind of more helpfully applied if we're thinking beyond the fall, just in your regular lives, trying to be obedient in discipleship. So hear that. <laughs> um, all right, so the first step is to initiate. So this is either by asking to disciple someone or asking to be discipled. After that, I think the person who's in the role of discipler should really be the one doing the initiating in relationship, um, in scheduling, including when your time meeting together will come to an end, in confession, and in making the most of the time. This leading in confession, especially if you are the discipler, I think you should be leading in confession. This is really, I think, a mark of a mature believer is if you are quick to see the ways that you need the Lord to continue to help grow you. This could be a real service to somebody that you're discipling to just be able to freely admit, I don't have my stuff together. <laughs> um, here's how the Lord is at work in me. And, and again, that when you are allowing someone to see your sin, it's an opportunity for ministry and grace. And then, of course, if you're the discipler, you need to be leading in teaching, which is the next aspect. So discipling is not merely about accountability and behavior modification. Um, we must teach the Word of God. We want each other to grow in knowledge and understanding, and we want to encourage one another to hold fast to the Word of life. So this could look really different and varied from one group to another, from one season to another. Um, you know, this fall where we'll be going through the same thing together versus ongoing when you might be discipling someone for a really specific reason. There's so many wonderful resources out there. You could just walk through a book of the Bible together. But um, what we want to be teaching is the Word of God. And so whatever it is, look for something that points you back to Scripture often, if it's not Scripture itself. But that's really what we want to be teaching each other is the Word of God. So the third aspect is correct. So as we teach and open up the Word together, we will see areas of our lives that need to be corrected. Uh, we can lead in saying to the other person, if you see something that needs to be corrected in me, please tell me and I'll do the same for you. That way you know that that's an option. It's not weird or uncomfortable just to like say, this is, this is a really important aspect of this type of relationship. Um, being able to correct another or receive correction with grace and humility should be a hallmark of the church. How might we grow in that? by practicing in our discipling relationships. All right, the next, next aspect is to model. So we should be living out our whole Christian life before others. This looks a lot like what God designed for the home, teaching and training as you go. So I'm gonna read uh, this passage. It's uh, Deuteronomy 6, four through nine. I know that we've all heard it before, but 
I love it, so I'm going to read it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are you willing to be watched? Are you willing to let others learn from your mistakes? Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And if we think about it, Paul was asking at least hundreds of believers to watch him and to imitate him as he imitated Christ. If you think about all the different churches that he visited and encouraged, he offered his life quite freely to be watched as an example. And we should be willing to let others watch us as well. So that kind of as-you-go discipleship might seem more informal, um, and some people do it really effortlessly. Um, my husband is a really a good example of this. He has invited college guys to do you name it with him. Go get lunch from the grocery store. Do his grocery shopping with him. Sit with him at the car repair shop. Go work out with him. You name it. He's asked him to do it. And it's all sort of under this guy's of discipleship, whether they realize it or not. <laughs> uh, but this informality, sometimes it seems very effortless, is actually going right back to initiating. We have to initiate those interactions. We have to initiate inviting people into our lives. And then you have to do it over and over again. That is where we grow in this area. Um, if that's something that you are longing to do to invite people to come into your life in a more regular way. You just got to do it over and over again, basically. <laughs> um, Mark Dever gives a really helpful kind of way to see this. He says, we should look for this pattern, life, truth, life. So your life attracts people to you and gives you the opportunity to share the truth of God's word with them. The truth of God's word leads to greater transformation in their lives. And then that is what, in their, the transformation in their lives is what attracts people to them. And then they are given the opportunity and so on and so on. All right. So the last aspect of discipleship here is love. And so this is what kind of like binds all of this together and makes this all work. Um, it is out of love for a brother or a sister that we initiate discipling. Love humbly gives of itself to disciple another. John 13, 34 through 35 says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you, so you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's because of Christ's great love for us that we are able to disciple others. Um, I would encourage you, even just this fall, before you start out meeting with somebody new or for the first time, Take the time to read 1 Corinthians 13. You know, it's in the context of spiritual gifts that that chapter is in the Bible. People having all these different gifts that the Lord has given them. Um, but if they don't have love, those things are just like noisy and annoying. <laughs> um, and so thinking about discipling other people, we can know our theology. We can know what the Bible says. We can have a lot of the right answers, but unless it's, 
um, you know, out of love and out of a changed heart that we share those things, it's just going to like be annoying. So <laughs> I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 13 and let that sink in before you go forth in discipleship. So uh, in closing this evening, I just want to give us one final encouragement and then a personal testimony. So um, as we're thinking about all of these things, and I, I know that I just said a whole lot because I love this topic. Ministry and service and faithful living must be taking place behind the scenes as you disciple or are discipled. Uh, this is how we take what we learn from scripture and from each other and we work it out in our own lives. This is how we grow into maturity, both personally and as a member of this community. If all you do is hold knowledge in your head, you're not actually living as a faithful believer. Now, do not hear this to mean that you have to have it all together. Um, if we're discipling, we are quick to initiate in confession. We are acknowledging our weakness. We're quick to say, but for the grace of God. Um, so there's a pattern in the Gospels that we see when Jesus heals or saves someone. Often they go right back to where they're from and they proclaim or announce what Jesus has done. And so we've actually seen this really recently um, on Sunday morning in the story about the man who had the legion of demons cast out and also the woman who had the discharge of blood. Um, when I came to faith, I remember reading that story um, about the man with the demons and being immediately convicted by Jesus' command. In Luke 8.39, he says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And honestly, I waited too long to obey this command. Um, I was afraid. I was afraid of what people would think about me. One of the ways that I can see most clearly how the Lord has changed me is that he's taken away that fear of man and he's given me a great boldness to say what he wants me to say. And that is not of me. In my experience, that openness has given me lots of opportunities to walk with others on similar roads. And it's our weakness, not our completeness, that draws others to us. So in whatever ways the Lord is working in you today or in the last month or the last six months, you need to tell others. And I would just encourage us um, too in closing, you know, there's no, um, you know, people who kind of like have been raised in church and, you know, came to faith in church, they sometimes say like, oh, my testimony is boring or whatever, like whatever the Lord's been doing at work in you in the last month, you know, like if it's nothing major, if it's just, if you think, oh, you know, he's been teaching me to bridle my tongue, no big deal. No, <laughs> um, his work in us is always wonderful. It's always for our good. It's always for his glory. And so I would just encourage you um, to not diminish the things that the Lord is doing at work in you, but to say um, really as a way to lift up our Savior, this is what he's doing in me, and to let that overflow into discipleship. Thanks for listening. If you would like to be paired up with another woman in one of these mentorship relationships, there is a form that you can fill out in the Welcome Center on Sunday. There's also a link to that form in the weekly email. The books, Growing Together by Melissa Kruger, are $14, and you could purchase those on Sunday in the Welcome Center as well. For more information or any questions you might have, just contact Becca Lucius or Jennifer Jenkins.